Tzoraim Tov, we continue in the Sefer Nefesh Shimshon on Tefillah, and we're on the second part of the Kedusha, uh, not the Kedusha, the Tachanun. And we're talking about David HaMelech's uh, Psalm, where he's imploring Hashem to, uh, although we're sinners, we ask Hashem to not rebuke us in anger and to be kind to us beyond what we deserve because we're so forlorn and we know you're the only one who can help us. And one of the big lines we were in the middle of, in the four, in the fifth line from the bottom, it says, Ki ba'moves zichrecha. For there is no mention of you in death. And in the grave, who can thank you? That's what we started discussing that yesterday. And we're going to take it to a deeper level now. And if you're following in the Safer, we're on page Tuf Lamid Tess. And he explained that, you know, in this world we have free will choice. And since we have free will choice, we can surprise people. And that gives Hashem a lot of pleasure knowing that human beings have made the right choices. In the next world, there's no free will choice. You're in a good place, you're in a good place, and there's, there's no struggle. So Rapinkas discusses a little bit more. He says, you know, we have an obligation to properly evaluate our lives. And we shouldn't want to lose that ability to live <coughs> and to die. And that's what David Amal says, Ein no one's going to mention you in a way of praising when the person's dead. And the rabbis say like this, that when Hashem wanted to take the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu and bring it up on high, the Neshama didn't want to go. Even when Hashem promised Moshe, you're going to be with the top angels, you're going to be in the prime seats. Okay? You're going to be under the throne of glory. Is I don't want it. Because life in this world is so much so much more valuable. So if Moshe Rabbeinu, now he knew the next world was going to be yummy and great. He still says, I still want to go. Until Hashem you know, had to force him, so to speak. But we learn this, how much do we value, value the time that we are alive and how much do we waste? Okay. Every second in your life, you can make a free will choice to do the will of God, to not do the will of God. Every second in your life, you can decide to be an ambassador of God or not. Every second. And every second you make the right choice, you create eternal realities. And we say a person who is just sitting around and frittering away their time. You sing around and you're just wasting your time. It's like you're sleeping. And the Talmud says sleeping is one sixtieth of death. <coughs> so when you're wasting time, this expression of you're killing time, it's more than killing time. You're killing part of your essence. Right now, we are maximizing our time right now. <coughs> We're studying God's Torah. And by studying God's Torah, we are connecting to the eternal reality of Torah. Every minute we're studying, we're making a deposit, long-term, infinite deposit, 
into our spiritual bank accounts. And when we leave this world, we'll be able to collect it in a wonderful way. But if you instead, just I'm just going to, I'm not saying a person's really tired and he can't be productive. Of course he should go to sleep. I'm not telling you to stay awake 24 hours a day. But if you're just wasting your time, like there's no justification for what you're doing. Now, a lot of things are not, eating breakfast is not a waste of your time because you have to eat breakfast. I'm not saying that's not a waste of your time. Exercising is not a waste of your time. Going to work is not a waste of your time. But just sittering and frittering away your time. So that's like you're killing part of yourself. Because part of you, every moment you go, do a good thing, that part of you remains forever and in the next world. It's a new element. We are made up, our lives are made up of these little time segments. These empty time segments. And either we fill them up with spirituality or we waste them. And our whole eternal life in the next world be all these old time segments put together. So a person who sits and wastes his time has killed off. It's not you're killing time. It's worse than you're killing time. You're killing a part of yourself, part of your eternal reality. And that's why it's very interesting. We see in David HaMelech's words of Tehillim, he expresses a tremendous fear and trepidation about death that he even testifies about himself. Yogati be'anchosi. That's the next words in the sitter, four lines from the bottom. I am wearied with my sigh. Every night I drench my bed with my tears that are on the bed. So what is he what is he dreading over here? Especially when he's going to bed. So what's going on over here? He understood the dangers of life. He understood the danger of death. Now, Dominamel was not afraid that it, when he dies, the body will cease functioning. That never bothered him for a minute. What bothered him is that he could lose part of his soulful existence. And because he's worried, maybe I've wasted time, he sighs, he's broken with fear of maybe I've self-destructed a part of my eternal existence. We know that when a person gives a krechts and a vey and a sigh, it's like it breaks half of yourself. And that's the saying, yogati, yogati, I've I've worn myself out from all this sighing to the point that I'm shedding tears on my bed. The bed that he was sleeping on was drenched with tears. Okay. So, uh, like it was melting away, just like sugar melts when you put water on it. It's like it's melting away. Oh, because first of all, David also had a lot of suffering in this world. Much more suffering than you and I will ever have, Baruch Hashem. And the tears were full of them. And this was David Amelech who had always a fear of death, not the fear of dying. He's going to die when Hashem decides he's going to die, but the, the living death. And certainly, David Amelech would never want to foolishly do something to cause himself to physically die, because when you die, then you finish. 
Okay, God will decide when you die, but you're not going to court death and try to cheat it out. <clears throat> that was David Amelech. Now, Rapinkus probably wrote this like 20 years ago. You can imagine whatever he's going to say now is multiplied five times at least. He says, well, nowadays, there's a situation that's been created that people are not afraid of death. As the generations get worse and worse, we lost that value for life and the meaning of everyday life. And if we don't understand how to use our lives properly, then our lives don't matter. And if we value what life is about, we cry when you ever hear somebody dying. Because that's the worst thing that could happen to a person because he no longer can do mitzvahs. And that's the fear that David HaMelech brought to the table when he cried so much. He didn't want to lose his life. Not just the physical life, but what it afforded opportunities for us. Now, you now live in a society where if a person is going through problems, he can tell the doctors, please kill me. And they're happy to do it. That is the cheapest medical procedure that has to be done and will save the government millions of dollars. person's been given a verdict of Cancer, he's going to suffer for a year. Just put me out of my misery. Let me have a big steak dinner. Let me have all the fun I can have for a couple days and then just kill me. Why? Because they have nothing to value in their lives. You will never have a frug Jew ever say this. Because they know how important every day of their life is. So if you have a society that's willing to kill people, and Canada, as we've said a couple of Shabbos ago, Canada rates number one in the world in medically assisted suicide. Number one. We have, we're, we're the best. We're Canadians. That's what they we're, you know, we're Canadians. Some, some, at least in something, they're the best. Yeah, yeah, they're best at killing off their people. Oh, that's yeah. per capita. Don't say per capita. Whatever it is. Per, per capita. Per capita. Yeah. For, for 30 million people, that's way too many people. That, that's still the same thing. Now, and that, and that, and now you have another thing. How much, how often do you hear now, well, somebody fell off a cliff at a national park taking a selfie. Take a picture of themselves. Oh, let me step a little bit further. Or they do foolish things. Young people are very dexterous. They're hanging on the limb of something sticking way over a mountain cliff. And they stand right on it. And they're doing all kinds of yoga. Face. But don't you know you could die? What's the difference? And if I die, what a way to go, man. Right. Now, what about what about drugs? Why do people take drugs? Just gonna space out. Just, just feel, feel relaxed. They're killing themselves because their lives are worthless. Now notice the difference. Little children, okay? You're in Ottawa. You saw your grandchildren. Okay, 
Do the little children like to sleep as much as the adults? No. Why is it that a little child, you got to force them to go to bed? And they want to stay up. While somebody like me, when I come home after work, man, no one's got to force me. I got to force myself to stay up. But go to bed, I go to bed, no problem. Why is that? Fascinating, because they want to lose every minute of, they still appreciate life. They haven't been jaded by life. And every day is an amazing new discovery. Little children, they're discovering a world. Things they didn't know about when they were three years old, not that they're four. Oh, I can do this, I can do that. Whoa, let me do this. Look at this toy, look how this toy does this. And they can be busy and just go say, I don't, why, why do you, you have to understand that from the child's mindset, they think that the parent is killing them. You understand what I mean? Killing them. Wait a minute, I'm having a good time. I'm feeling fine. What do I need to go to sleep for? Now, they don't realize that when they don't get a good night's sleep, the next day they're very difficult to deal with. But that's not a problem. They say, well, listen, I'll get up when I want to get up. Why do I got to get up to go to school? Okay. It's interesting. The, uh, the first Kareba said about himself that when he was very young, he, he, he trained himself <laughs> to not eat and not drink. But as he got older, he regretted it, that he didn't eat and didn't uh, He regrets that he didn't eat more and sleep less. Okay, okay. He, 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 made, he had said, want to sleep as little as possible, eat as little as possible. He got older. He said, I should eat a little bit more. But... And, and that I didn't sleep less. I should have eaten more, but I should have slept less. Right? People realize sleep, it's important. You should get the sleep you need to function. But what is the first sign of depressed people? They sleep. sleep. They sleep a lot. Now, that could be why some teenagers sleep a lot. Now, some people say it's they're going through a certain growth spurt. I don't know if that's true or not. But certain teenagers, it's a very difficult time to live life because you're very much, your self-esteem depends on a lot what other people think of you. You can be bullied and you can lose friends instantly. And somebody's just rather go to sleep. If a person sleeps way too much, you've got to be careful that they're going to be do suicide one day. Because they're not valuing their time. Okay. Now, uh, one second. Mm, now, he says it's a very interesting rule in chemistry. What's the rule of which one of these Newton's laws? Matter can be neither created or destroyed. One shape and one form together. Right? Mm -hmm. it, it, no matter what, it's, it never gets destroyed. It can change from one thing to another, but nothing really ever can be destroyed. So that's Newton's spiritual law. Remember what I've said many times, uh, scientific law. <laughs> that every scientific law is based on a spiritual law. Because the spiritual realm produces the, the physical realm. So if there is a law that matter cannot be created or destroyed, there's got to be something spiritual that cannot be created or destroyed. And very simple, when a person does a mitzvah, it can never be destroyed. 
okay? When you take a reality, a moment in time, the famous passage of time that the vice president spoke so much about, the passage of time is the passage of time is the passage of time. The passage of time gives the opportunity to create something. We do the mitzvah at this time. You've created mitzvah. That becomes now spiritual matter. It can never be destroyed. So let's give an example. Um, I have to go a couple, once in a while, downtown, and I take the subway. Okay, what do most people do when they're on the subway? Have you ever gone the subway lately? What? They're on their phones. They're on their phones. They're on their phones. Or they've just got something connected to theirs. What are they doing? Wasting their, their killing time. So what's Rabbi Machal's doing? Either I have a safer, and I say, oh, it's a great time to review the Persian. It's a, I mean, I can't really, you know, think too deeply when I'm a subway. I can't get into deep, like preparing a class mode, but I can do something. So I prepare, you know, I, I go over the Parsha or something like that. Let's say you're waiting for a bus. So you can have thoughts of strengthening your faith in Hashem, to reminding yourself Hashem exists everywhere, and then you're not losing those minutes. And But if you're wasting your time and you don't know what to do with that, right, then it's death. So a true Jew knows, knows how to not waste any minutes. And, um, it, and, and let's say you don't have a sitter on you. Listen, you could be waiting and you could dive into Hashem, not a regular formal prayer. You could pray to Hashem. Say, thank you, Hashem, that there's a bus that can take me to where I have to go. Thank you, Hashem, that I could stand on my two feet and wait for the bus. Thank you, Hashem, that nobody's pulling on a knife and killing me now. There's a lot of thank you, Hashem, just doing that. That's a tremendous amount of productive time. So this is what all that David Melech is saying. He's saying, I may have sinned. I may have done things that are wrong. Hashem, don't kill me. And it's not so much because I'm afraid to die. Donald is not afraid to die. But he realizes the consequences of death. The consequences of death mean that you no longer can do mitzvahs. But I'm sure he meant not just physical death, but the emotional death. People go through, there's so much trauma going on in this world. And think about how much time people are wasting on worrying do you know people who worry? And they're saying, I don't know, I, how can I go to this place? What if somebody shows up? What if this happens? What if that happens? And they're worrying and worrying and worrying. They're spending all that time worrying. It's not productive time. Now, if you're worried about something, that's okay. You could be worried. Now go open up at the hill and calm down. And do something productive and not to worry. That's, so that's what David Melech. He says, I've sinned and I know there's going to be great consequences over here, but please, I want to live. Okay, now let's uh, move on to the next few words over here. So we're now um, three lines from the bottom on page 132. Okay. Uh, 
He says, Oshisha mikaas eini. My eye is dimmed because of anger. Oska bechol tzorai. Aged by my tormentors. In other words, other people are giving him trouble. Okay. Suru mimani kol po'aleoven. Depart from me all evil doers. Kishoma Hashem called bichi, because Hashem is hearing the voice of my weeping. In other words, there are people trying to hurt David HaMelech. I said, stop that. Please stop them from doing this. Why? David HaMelech was a person who was hounded his entire life. There was never a moment in David's life that he was not pursued and hounded, causing his tears to flow like rivers. For example, even though he was born to his father and mother, but his father never knew it. His father never knew it. His father thought he was sleeping with one of the concubines. But it was really his own wife. He didn't know about that. And then when his, because he had semi-divorced his wife for reasons I don't want to get into now. When he finds out his wife is pregnant, he figures she fooled around. So they kept it quiet, but they all knew that David was not their son. But he was. He had seven brothers. They all knew there's something wrong with this guy. He was tormented. Oh, you're the you're the kid who's the un unsavory one. He looked different than all of them. He looked like Asa. Didn't look like any of the seven brothers. Can you imagine what things are like? Okay, you can watch the flocks. You don't go to learn in the yeshiva with us. His whole life from that beginning till and then and whatever he did, even though he kills Goliath. Saul is jealous at him for no reason. And he thinks David is trying to overthrow the kingdom. He goes after him to try to kill him. It's just, it just, it never stops, no matter what. And when he becomes king, he has this problem, that problem. It's always, it, there were so many people try. there was his son makes a revolution, overthrows the kingdom, all these things. And he's crying. But what was the main reason he was crying? Because he felt what a chilul Hashem, a desecration of Hashem's name is caused by people who are chasing after me. Because why were people really, especially when he became older, why were they really running after him? It's because he, his existence, expressed the kingdom of Hashem. And we have to know that when a person who is a really big tzaddik, and he represents all that's good from Hashem, and he is in a suffering state, it creates an apparent chil Hashem. And therefore, he thanks Hashem that my enemies could not rejoice over him. No matter how hard they tried to get rid of him, he always found, he, had, he was more than the cat with nine lives. Okay. And there were just so many people who wanted to stop what David was doing. And a lot of them had personal issues with David. Whatever it was. But David understood. Just like he says, Oh, have Hashem sinura. Just like those who love Hashem hate evil. Guess what? 
Those who hate Hashem hate those who love Hashem. And David loved Hashem. He was all his his hit tunes, the 150 hit songs were all about how he loves Hashem. And they wanted to destroy him. They did not want the kingdom of David. What would they have against the kingdom of David? Because it's God's kingdom. They wanted that kingship to be destroyed <coughs> and not to give it to Shlomo Amelech, his son. And they tried their hardest to stop it. Because really only Shlomo Amelech will be able to build the base on Mikdash. And therefore they wanted to stop all of that. That's why there were others who didn't want Shlomo originally to build the base on Mikdash. So all of David's prayers against his enemies wasn't personal. It was not a personal pr prayer. It was a prayer for the honor of Hashem in the world. Every tear wasn't for his own suffering. It was for the blemish of the kingdom of heaven that needed to be revealed in this world. And when a person cries for his problems, there's only so much you can cry. But when David Amalek was crying for Hashem's quote-unquote problems to the point that his whole body is falling apart. That's not a cry for himself. He's crying for the honor of Hashem. It has no limits to that crying. And that's how he ends it. Hashem has heard my plea. Hashem will accept my prayer. Let all my foes be shamed and utterly confounded. They will regret and be instantly shamed. Not because they're my foes, but they're Hashem's foes. Okay. So nowadays, we don't find a lot of crying going on, especially for men. Right? Big boys don't cry. It's shameful. We don't see people crying. In the olden days, there was lots of crying. In the shuls, there was lots of crying. In the ladies' section, there was lots of crying. They say the name of Rabbi Saul Salanter, he says, he said in his time, the women were crying when they would say, bless the new month. It was the month of Elul. Rosh Chodesh Elul, people were crying like it was a funeral because they knew the day of judgment was a month away. Okay. So we have to understand that a cry really is expressing the feelings that's inside of us. David Amelot, remember, the brave warrior, who could kill a thousand people in one shot. He was a brave, courageous warrior, so cried like a baby. For what? For the suffering of Hashem in this world. So, again, we have to understand what's going on right now. What's going on in Eretz Yisrael? People are making a huge mistake. People, I'm... I'm not, for, I'm, first of all, let me be clear. We have to feel the pain of every single Jew that's suffering. There's no question about it. We have to do what we can to alleviate their pain and suffering and say to them, there's not a question about it, but that's only half the story. You have to understand, as it were, the pain that Hashem is having. When Israel is attacked the way they were, the world, it's not about the Israeli government. It's about Hashem. They're warring against Hashem. Why, does, why is there a double standard against Israel than any other country? For one simple reason. Because the Goyim, it's a double standard against God. We understand that we attack the Jews, we're attacking God. When we condemn the is Israel, we're condemning God. 
and what that God means. And therefore, our prayers have to be focused not so much that the Muslims are so terrible and this and that and Hamas, they are, but they're waging war against Hashem. And if they can get away by killing Jews the way they, with impunity, and they're treated like respected people, they're, they're treated like peace partners. You want, want to make peace with them. Forget about the fact they said they're going to kill the Jews anyway. But that's not what it's about. It's they want to destroy us. We are Hashem's representatives in the world. And therefore Hashem is saying, Hashem will hear my voice. Right? Because what David HaMelech is saying, that Hashem should remove from him all the people who are involved in sing against him. It's not about him. But Hashem is listening to Kol Bichyi, the voice of my crying. Because that means it really is getting inside of you. And it really means a lot. And that's what gets answered. And when and the proof that Hashem listens this to his prayers is when, not when the enemies alone stop bothering him, but what's the very end? Yashuvu Yevoshuraga. They will regret and be instantly shamed. That when one of these enemies of the Jews regret what they do and are ashamed of their actions and against Hashem that the Chil Hashem will stop and that's what this Tachman prayer after we pray to Hashem and we're talking about all the need and how death is not a good thing but not it's all way above or deeper than everything it's not I'm worried I'm going to die and I won't be alive anymore if I'm dead who's going to praise God if I'm suffering How's God going to look in the world? If we keep focusing on Hashem, then those, and, and what do we want? We don't want revenge against Hamas. We just want one thing. Now, here's the point. The secular Israeli government, all they want is peace. Religious people, that's not what we want. We want the world to recognize Hashem. We have to say, Hashem, we want Mashiach so these idiots will stop saying what they're saying. That's what we want. We don't want the war to end. That's not what we're praying for. We something much more important than that. Is that the Goyim will not just leave us alone. They'll recognize that there's a God in this world and they're going to have to pay a price for what they've done. And they have to stop it. That's what we have to pray for. That they're going to say we've been terrible people for singling out the Jews as God's representatives and we regret it and we now, we're going to change all this and we can all kill Hamas. Just like we did in the Purim story. We can all kill Hamas. Okay, we're left now with just, I think, one more class. We've got the Kedusha after Tachanun and Aleinu. So we'll be finished today or tomorrow, Mirza Shem.